Good morning. The, the, verse, the, uh, the verse for today is Acts 8, 4 through 25. But the believers who were scattered preached the, God, the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people that there, there uh, people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear the, his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be some great, <clears throat> someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believe Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name, the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He being began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs of great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power, too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed and with you, for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of, your, repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will, for, he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you have you've said won't happen to me. After testifying and preaching to the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and then they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. Thank you. Kind of amazing to me. I realize Philip was chosen to oversee the distribution of relief to the widows. Philip is the only person in the New Testament called an evangelist. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't formally trained. He was just an ordinary person. Nothing special, except that he followed God. I used to hate the word evangelist. People would say, oh, Deb is the neighborhood evangelist. I would be like, I am not. I am not the person that goes around holding a Bible up going, 
Go read this or you're going to hell. You're going to burn forever if you don't follow this. To me, that's what an evangelist is, was. That's no longer what an evangelist is to me. But Philip was an evangelist. Acts 21.8 tells, Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. I really find it fascinating. He wasn't formerly trained. He was just a layman. He was just like us. He was just an evangelist. Now, I said that with, with hesitation because just an evangelist kind of diminishes each of our roles. Each one of us is called to be an evangelist. Now, you have to look at God's theology for evangelist. And this <laughs> me and technology don't get along. If you look at what God says as an evangelist, it's somebody that's going out sharing Christ. That's an evangelist. You don't have to have special training to do that. You don't have to go to seminary school. You don't have to be an ordained pastor. You don't have to be anything but a disciple of Christ. But you do have to be a disciple of Christ. Otherwise, you're similar to Simon. Simon was a... Now, we're not talking Simon Peter. We're talking Simon the sorcerer. Simon the magician. He's only mentioned a very short part in the Bible. Very short. He was a Samaritan magus, which means a magician. Simon had been highly respected and honored by the townspeople. In verse 10... All the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. The people were in awe of him. They were amazed by Simon's great powers. Simon even boasted of his own great powers. Now you have to understand, Simon the sorcerer, sorcery is witchcraft. That does not come from God. It's a means of working magic with the assistance of evil spirits, which is strictly forbidden by God. So when Philip went out, he went out with a message. Verse 5 tells us, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, began proclaiming Christ to them. Philip preached, verse 12, the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Philip was a man with a message a message of hope for a future, and the good news of Jesus. That's why things were happening. That's why the people were being saved, and that's why there was great joy in the city. Verse 8 tells us of the great joy in the city. Couldn't have happened if it hadn't been of God. In Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12, The Lord had told the Israelites, let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium, or who consults with the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of the same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out the nations before you. Those are strong words. 
anyone who does these things. So let's break this down a little for clarity. If you offer your child as a burnt sacrifice, you're an abomination to God. And you think, we don't do that nowadays. But we do. It might not be a burnt sacrifice, but how many of us have put our children in harm's way? Not intentionally, but we've put them in a position that allows Satan to get a foothold. That's putting them in harm's way. If you practice divination, which means trying to see the future by using supernatural, occult, or fortune-telling, you're an abomination to God. Mediums who speak to the dead and promise to reunite you with your long-lost dead family members is an abomination to God. Sorcery, witchcraft, black magic, spells are all an abomination to the Lord. But we see it every day. We drive by things that say palm reader, $10. Psychic, $5. Call the psychic hotline. And we do it. Maybe not us in this room, but we as a collective people do it. Or it wouldn't keep existing. You've all heard of the Long Island medium, I'm sure. I know her. I grew up on Long Island. She gave me the creeps ever since I was a kid, and I didn't know why. I didn't know why, but she made me uncomfortable. But I know people that call her, people that tell me that they're Christians. These were all common practices in those days. And while some acts were no more than mere illusions of the mind, like sleight of hands, like David Copperfield, those are all sleight of hands. Some of them were empowered by Satan in an attempt to discredit God. Matthew 24, 24 tells us, For false messiahs, false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 says, The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. As I said, we've all seen the street signs, the advertisements, the newspapers, television, even on the radio. Have you ever heard of, call me, I can... I can talk to your dead family and tell you how they're doing. Those are commercials that hit our children, that hit ourselves, that hit our lives. And they're seen as nothing more than fun and folly. But they're not. All these forms of telling you your future, including the horoscopes, are an abomination to God. Do you wake up every morning and have to go look at your horoscope to see how your day is going to go? Are you trusting in God or are you trusting in a paper? I know a couple people, they're not Christians, but I know a couple people that won't get out of bed if their horoscope tells them it's going to be a bad day. How sad is that? There are people that think that going to church and reading the Bible regularly, though, makes them good people. 
makes them Christians. Maybe God gives them more value because they're in church, they're reading their Bible. Or maybe God will offer more if we can bargain with him. Beloved, we, bar- we bargain with God. Might not mean to. I don't get up in the morning and say, hey, God, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. But I catch myself saying, oh, God, if I could just get this done. Yesterday was an example. (laughs) I'm taking some classes. They're called black market families. And I'm taking two classes. I had two papers done that had to get done yesterday. Everything was going wrong. I had to write the message. Everything was going wrong. And then I had a three-hour delay. And I was like, God, if you would just fix this. And I stopped. I was writing this. And I stopped and I said, wow, I'm bargaining with God. It wasn't a bad bargain. It was if just put this on hold so I can get this done. And I can get my papers done. I was trying to bargain with God. We all do it some small way, some little way. It doesn't mean we're bad people. It doesn't mean that I'm giving up on God. And it doesn't mean that you are. We might not go to psychics. We might not go to palm readers. But we do bargain with God. Have you ever thought to yourself, wow, if God would just get me out of this financial issue, my health issue, or whatever your issue is, then I'll go back to church, or I'll start reading my Bible, or I'll go to a Bible study, or I'll tithe more, or I'll do this, or I'll do that. That's bargaining with God. Maybe you think, well, if I can just do this, I'll be less judgmental, God. I won't look at people that way. I won't walk past the homeless and go, oh, I don't want to roll my windows up, lock my doors. Again, we bargain with God all the time. If you do this, I'll do this. We don't see it as bargaining. But that's, in effect, what we're doing. We're trusting what the world sees as our value rather than finding our value in who God is in us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. It is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. While Philip was preaching in Samaria, Simon heard the good news of the kingdom. He was baptized. He followed Philip everywhere. In verse 13, it tells us, Simon himself believed and was baptized. He followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Verse 18 tells us that this Holy Spirit had not come yet, not among the Samaritans. Later, the apostles Peter and John arrived, and at the same time the Spirit came upon the believers when Peter and John came. The apostles came to Samaria to investigate the results of Philip's ministry. When they saw that the faith of the Samaritans was authentic, They laid hands on people, and they received the Holy Spirit as confirmation of their faith. 
Simon saw what was happening, and he offered the money so that he could, too, have the power of God. In verse 21 through 22, Philip says, You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Again, pretty strong words. Wickedness. It's not a pretty word. It's not a gentle word. It's pretty harsh. Because Philip knew that Simon had not really changed. Simon said, oh, I want to follow you. But then he bargained with God. Here, I've got this. Give me that power too. I want that power too. I want to lay hands on people. God's gifts cannot be bought. His powers cannot be bought. It's kind of sad because we live in a world that thinks that way. I have family members that have said, I have more money than God. I can buy whatever I want. I pray for them daily. Daily. Often several times a day. Because it isn't their money that God wants. It's their heart. God doesn't need our money. God doesn't even need our service. God needs nothing from us but our obedience. And he doesn't need that, but he longs for that. As our father, as a father yourselves, man, don't you long to have your children be obedient? You long for your children to make great decisions so that when you send them out, they can stand strong in Christ. As moms, that's what we want. We want our children to be obedient as they're growing up so that when they move out and they move on, we know that they stand strong in the Lord. That's what we as fathers and mothers want. That's what our Heavenly Father wants for us. He doesn't care about our money. He doesn't care what we do with our money and our things. He just wants our hearts and our obedience. You know, we hear nothing more about Simon the sorcerer. We don't know exactly what happened to him. I'm pretty much guessing from the way Philip wrote. He didn't repent of his ways. Pretty sure He didn't get on his knees and say, God, forgive me because I'm changing my heart. He didn't do that. I'm sure he finished his, continued his greedy way of life. So why did Simon get even included in the Bible? There's just a little bit about him. Just a short little passage. Could have left it out. Beloved, Every, every, every word. You get that, right? Every word in the Bible is a lesson for us. 
It's either a reminder of who God is, a reminder of who we need to be in him, or direction for how to become more Christ-like, how not to fall away from him. Simon shows us several things, but I think the biggest thing that Simon shows us is that things of the Spirit are not things that we can earn, work towards, bargain for, or buy. Things of the Spirit are the gift of God. They come by faith, belief, and willingness to receive his gift. When Simon, Philip saw Simon's greedy heart, he knew that the conversion was all talk. He didn't have a change of heart. Ephesians 4 tells us there's one spirit, one baptism. Years ago, it's been several years, I had accepted Christ. But I still did what Nothing changed in my life. Nothing. Didn't matter what I said. Didn't matter what I did. Because I was, I was a Christian. I'd accepted Christ. I grew up knowing him. But my life hadn't changed. I was still... My husband knows this part of my life. I was still going out with whoever I could for whatever I could get. I went out with some pretty scary guys. They were part of the, um, I guess you could say the mafia in New York. I had fur coats. I had money. I had whatever I wanted. Didn't matter. I was living life pretty well. But I hadn't changed my ways. I went up, I had gotten baptized. I went to church. I attended a Bible study, but I didn't change. Nothing changed me. It was all about me. It was all about what I wanted, what I could have. It was all about this for me. This mattered. You didn't matter to me. You didn't matter to me. This is what mattered to me. That and my pretty jewels and my pretty stuff. I tried to fill my emptiness with these pretty things. And I just kept filling my life with these pretty things. Just kept going. Didn't matter. But I was still empty inside. Didn't change. The more stuff I got, the emptier I became. but I didn't see it. I really, truly didn't see it. It was so easy to just go through life. Most of you know I had a pretty miserable upbringing. So I was trying to fill my miserable upbringing with stuff. Didn't fill anything. It filled my apartment filled my car but it didn't fill my life it didn't fill my heart 
See, accepting Christ is a change of heart. It's a change of life. Not just words. Most of you know I, I'm really into music. <laughs> and how many times have you all heard me say, you can't just sing words on a paper. It's not just about words on a paper. Well, neither is accepting Christ. It's not about words on a paper. It's not about words that come out of your lips. It's about the change in your heart. That's where it comes from. And if it doesn't come from there, then there's no change. Then I was just like Simon. I might not have been into witchcraft and sorcery and and black magic, but I was dating a guy that was not such a good guy. Literally, his father did some things that I'm ashamed to say I knew about. I know they broke kneecaps. I know they were laundering money. But I turned a blind eye to it because it didn't matter because I just wanted to fill my life with stuff. I was a lot like Simon. Simon the sorcerer. Not a single one out here mattered to me. This is what mattered. What could I get with this? What did this change for me? When Tom and I first got married, he knew this was important, but for a different reason than it used to be for me. It used to be this was important because I could go out and get something. I could go out and get something pretty. I could make myself feel good. But after I repented, after I truly had a change of heart, after I truly gave my life to Christ, this was a means to an end for the kingdom. It no longer was about what I could fill my life with. It was about what can I do with this? Because this was now the gift from God. If I gave this to you and you take it, I gave you a gift. But if I give it to you and you don't take it, is it a gift? Take it. It's only a gift if you receive it. If she had set it down, put it back. (laughs) In your hands, in your hands. It's in your purse. It's a gift. But if I offer it and you don't take it, it's not a gift. It's nothing. So how do we know that we know that we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, Galatians is very clear. The fruit of the Spirit is. Now, you notice this says the fruit, not the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It doesn't say, well, you have to have gentleness or kindness or peace, or joy. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's one fruit. 
It's not a ton of fruit. It's one fruit. Together, it's one fruit. We should see the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not our fruit. It's his fruit. But he gives it to us freely. It's a gift. But we have to accept the gift. Beloved, remember, a gift is not a gift unless we accept it. You cannot buy yourself a gift and call it a gift. You just bought something, that's all. A gift is freely giving with no expectation in return. God has given us that gift. He didn't expect anything in return except for us to accept it. We have to accept it. If we have not accepted it, it wasn't a gift. As I said, you can't just set it down and say, oh, that's pretty over there. Oh, look, there's $20 over there. If you don't accept the gift, it's not your gift. Jesus has offered every one of us a gift It's a gift of a change of heart, a gift of a life change, a gift of eternal life with him. If you have not accepted it, today is the day we want to talk to you. If you have accepted it and you've strayed, it's okay. Because your Father loves you and you have brothers and sisters here that will pray for you. If you have accepted the gift and there is a burden on your heart, please don't walk out of here not without praying with one of us. Please, please do not reject the gift that Jesus has given you. It's okay if you've lost sight. It's okay if you've lost your way. Because God is not saying you have to be perfect. He's saying, come to me. We have your brothers and sisters who love you, will pray with you, will pray for you. So many of us believe that once we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that we're done. But now we just go to church. Now we just read the Bible. Now we just talk with our friends. Beloved, it is an everyday work. Every single day, you must be in fellowship with God. And if you've lost that, that's okay, because God doesn't expect you to be perfect. But he does expect you to be in his face. And he expects you to come and feel safe that you could come to any one of us here and say, I've lost my way. Please help me get back on track. But you can't do that until you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can't receive the gift he has right here for you if you don't accept it. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says, Each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift. One has that gift. But he is giving you the gift of life, and you can't take it unless you accept it. You can't just leave it there and say, Oh, there, my gift is right there. 
and walk away from it. On this Father's Day, we celebrate and honor our earthly fathers, but we also have an opportunity to honor our Heavenly Father. If you have not accepted his free gift of salvation and eternal life in him, and you want to do that today, please see either Mary or Jeff or Jay or Tom or myself. Please see someone. Don't walk out of these doors not knowing that you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We don't know when he's coming back. We don't know when he's coming to get us. But if you have not accepted the gift of salvation, a gift of a change of heart, a gift of a change of your life, it might be too late. Don't let it be too late, please. Because it grieves your father's heart. And it grieves your brother's and sister's hearts, too. I wanted to give you a moment of silence to understand the gravity of what God has given you. It's a gift. If you're ready to accept that gift, please come up and see one of us today. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for offering us such a gift. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you. Today we want to just honor you and thank you for who you are. Father God, touch the hearts of those here. Remind them that if they have a burden they need to share, come up, we'll pray with them. We are their brothers and sisters in Christ, in you. And they don't have to bear these burdens alone. If they just need silence, a time to reflect, a time to pray on their own, remind them that it's safe here. Remind them of the gift you've given them. Remind them that you have offered them a change of heart, a change of life, but most of all, eternal life with you. We thank you, Father, that you love us so much more than we can comprehend. Thank you, Lord, for being you and loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.